0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover, and I'm fiercely passionate about life, love, leading, and learning with a little laughter sprinkled in. In today's episode, we'll be examining how coping with worry can lead to some extraordinarily negative outcomes in our respective lives, along with talking about productive ways worry uh, affects our lives, in effect, becoming more resilient in the face of worry. So let's get started. One of the things that makes human beings different, uniquely different from any other animal in the animal kingdom is our imagination. Our imagination allows us to think critically, creatively and innovatively about a vast array of things. It allows us to solve complex problems. It allows us to establish goals that we want to chase after. It allows us to dream, I mean, really dream, trying to envision what we want for our future and to be able to pull that future into the present. Unfortunately, sometimes our imagination gets the better of us. In fact, WebMD defines worrying as a feeling uneasy or being overly concerned about a situation or problem. Basically, it's when we feel uneasy or concerned about what might happen. What's interesting about how our brains work is whether it's a real threat or a perceived threat, our brain releases this chemical cocktail of neurotransmitters in response to some sort of uh, real or imagined stimulus. So imagine you're on a hike and you come across a big cat Clearly, in that moment, you should be worried. Physical safety, your life, you should be worried. And our brain in that moment releases this chemical neurotransmitter cocktail in response to that fear in the moment. What's interesting about how the brain works, every subsequent time you remember, you think about that moment of coming across a big cat, your brain doesn't know the distinction of whether or not you're actually standing in front of a big cat or you're sitting in your living room thinking about standing in front of a big cat that's how our brains work and so whether the threat is real or imagined is ultimately immaterial whenever we whenever we worry we are are in effect chemically reliving certain experiences I mean th- think about it think about it the other way Think about some of the best memories you had as a child when you used your imagination. I know whenever I think back on my childhood, I remember times of playing with Legos, and I would create these elaborate scenes, and I would engage in storytelling about the, all of the characters that I would create and what they would do and uh, where they would be and the adventures that they would go on, and it was it, just an incredible. It was incredibly fun, and when I think back on that, my brain actually releases the chemicals that make me feel such positive memories. Or whenever I was playing in the backyard or playing at a park, and I was thinking about my favorite football players growing up. Walter Payton comes to mind. Tony Dorsett comes to mind. Joe Montana comes to mind. And when I was playing football, I imagined that I was those guys. And it brings back such positive memories. Uh, I remember observing my sisters playing and then they, they were creating their own adventures with their toys. And in speaking with them about their childhoods and talking about those respective things, they actually relive the emotion of that. So I tell you all this just to kind of give you an idea of how the brain works. So bringing it back to worry. You know, some of the most common things that people worry about are money, the the future, relationships, job security, health, um, deadlines. that's a that, that's a big one too. And where worry can actually be beneficial uh, is in this in the type of uh, coping strategy that that we that we employ or that we use. Psychological research informs us that there's, there's solid evidence that people use worry as a problem-focused strategy, right? That is the willingness to approach a problem and or deal with a problem rather than avoiding the problem altogether. And that's a very, very good thing. Avoidance of problems or issues or situations because we worry about them actually is counterproductive to being able to work through the problem and work past the worry. Unfortunately for many people, worry in excess actually isn't a constructive process. In fact, it's completely unproductive and it serves as an ineffective coping strategy. So when we think of worry in excess, this is what we mean by heightened levels of anxiety to real or imagined threat, perhaps Um, unrealistic fears, perhaps impending doom. I mean, this leads to heightened anxiety and chronic worrying, and it can have a negative effect on the relationships we have in our lives, negative effect on sleep, negative effect on job performance, negative effect on on other lifestyle habits. It can lead to overeating, it can lead to drug and alcohol consumption, it can lead to smoking, it can lead to all sorts of self-limiting habits and even destructive habits whenever we worry in excess. But worry in and of itself isn't inherently negative. In fact, worry can keep us sharp. Worry can keep us vigilant. I mean, imagine the last time you were preparing for an exam that you knew was really hard, or you knew carried a lot of weight for your quarter or your semester grade. Well, worrying about that can actually make you more more hyper-vigilant in the preparation for that exam. Can actually really bring your focus to the the content, to the material that you have to study ahead of taking that exam in order to, hopefully, (laughs) in order to to do well on the exam. Or another example would be, uh, think about the last time you were preparing for a job interview. And you had some worry about being able to put your best foot forward or being able to answer the questions that were asked of you or being able to just present yourself in, in a professional way. And that made you sharp going into that interview. You know, Even though we know that what the interviewer wants is your story and you know more about you than anyone in the world. So telling your story shouldn't lead to worry or anxiety or stress. And yet the atmosphere, the stakes that are associated with that interview interview actually really caused the worry. Um, what about the last time you were preparing for a competition or right before a competition and you had worry about maybe not performing at your best or maybe not winning, right? These things make us sharp and they actually are really, really helpful to give us a singular focus in the moment. They allow us to put our energy and attention where it needs to be in a given moment. Unfortunately, whenever we worry in excess, this actually inhibits our performance. It limits our ability to, to do our best, to deliver our best in given moments. It, it really, it, it really becomes, you know, overconsuming in many ways. In fact, Uh, Anxiety disorders, which would be worry in excess, so something like generalized anxiety disorder, affects 40 million adult Americans uh, each year. And it doesn't discriminate between age, gender, ethnicity, marital status. It doesn't discriminate and can lead to a whole host of really, really challenging symptoms, right, such as dizziness a rapid heartbeat, fatigue, difficulty, concentrating, muscle tension, nausea, uh, suppression of the immune system, short-term memory loss. And then when this gets, uh, get, this gets away from us, this can lead to uh, bouts of depression can lead to suicidal thoughts and ideation. It can lead to heart attack. I mean, these are really, really serious, um, concerns whenever we, worry in excess. And in fact, it should be noted that if you or anyone, you know, is experiencing any of those symptoms, please, please, please connect with a professional, whether it's your, your primary care physician or a a counselor, therapist, psychologist, please connect with, uh, with a professional to help you work through, uh, this, uh, this worry. Now, With regard to um, sort of normal garden variety worry, the question then becomes, what are some productive ways that we can move past this? Um, There are are a a lot of different avenues you can go down. I wanna take you down four. Four specific ways, practical ways that you can address the worry in your life that can bring you more peace can bring you more calm in the moment, can bring you more self-awareness in the moment where you, there's a recognition of what's going on and how you can uh, become more, more resilient and push through these things. The first is mindful meditation. Now, there's, a, there's countless ways to meditate. There's, there's a variety of ways to meditate mindfully. Um, I'm not personally much of a meditator. Um, in like the traditional sense, what I do, though, is I do take moments throughout the day where I'm by myself and it's quiet. I practice deep breathing techniques in addition to letting the thoughts that I have wash over me without judging the thoughts. That's a that's a key component of mindfulness. Let the thoughts come in. Let them wash over you. Let them be what they are without judgment. Right. Do this type of meditation for 10, 15 minutes, uh, you know every day. Um, ideally it's 10 to 15 consecutive minutes, but if you don't have 10 to 15 consecutive minutes because we lead busy lives, no problem. Take those moments whenever you can. And you know some people uh, don't get annoyed or worried or anxious whenever they're in traffic. I am not one of those people. I don't prefer traffic, so uh, you know sitting in my car on my way to work doesn't work for me. But if, if that moment works for you, provided that you're keeping everyone else on the road safe, mindful meditation, whenever you have an opportunity to do that. The next one is talking with others. And while this could be a professional psychologist or counselor, certainly, talking with others who have gone through the types of situations that you're currently worrying about, the types of situations that you're currently experiencing, the type of situation uh, that um, that they can relate to, speaking with others about how they were able to navigate the, the adversity and the corresponding worry associated with that adversity uh, can be a really, really helpful solution, right? It, it, helps, it actually helps you identify root cause, what is actually causing the worry or anxiety uh, in you what is there some sort of trigger event that's causing the worry right be sure however in those moments whenever you're talking with other people not to let the conversation devolve into commiserating right this should actually be a productive conversation where uh, where you're learning from uh, from another person maybe it's a, a friend maybe it's a mentor maybe it's a parent maybe it's um it's someone else but um, make sure that you trust this person to give it to you straight and not simply um, not simply commiserate with you in the moment where both of you feel better about yourselves for having done that. The third one is journaling. Now, journaling is not for everyone and journaling is surprisingly hard. Um, and this is very similar to mindfulness in the sense that if, if you start journaling, don't judge the result um, just journal free flow stream of consciousness. Um, it it allows you to analyze and process your feelings. Um, in addition to like talking with others, help identify root cause of the worry itself. Uh, and then the fourth thing is physical activity, get moving. I mean, minimally physical activity helps promote blood flow to the brain. We think more clearly. We, are, are generally more resilient, not only physically, but we're more psychologically resilient, more emotionally and spiritually resi- resilient. Uh, so the impact in our lives is, is virtually incalculable. So here's the recommendation for the Centers for Disease Control. 150 minutes of moderate intensity at, mo- moderate intensity activity uh, per week. So if you do the math on that, what are we talking about? Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours per week of moderate intensity activity over the course of a 168 hour a week. I think we can pull that off. In addition to the 150 minutes of moderate intensity uh, activity per week, you want to perform some type of resistance training or weight training twice a week. That helps keep us strong, it keeps our muscles toned, it helps uh, prevent injury. And the last thing we want to do is is bend over to get ready to take out the garbage and we throw our back out. So uh, two days per week of strength training or resistance training type type of activity in addition to 150 minutes of moderate intensity uh, activity per week. So worrying actually gives us a lot of valuable information in the moment. It... Especially when we were in excess, it feels it feels like it consumes us, and in in times of you know in traumatic experiences, certainly we understand why. I want to give you a couple of personal accounts of when I experienced varying degrees of worry, and uh, what I was able to do after the fact. So recently, my family moved, and we had a closing date. Uh, scheduled for about a month out, where we were moving to. However, the sellers weren't living there, and we could, if we could move up our closing date, uh, we could actually move in sooner, which what we wanted to do. We had we had all of our ducks in a row; everything was ready to go, and the closing. We revised the closing date; we moved it forward, and that obviously puts a lot of stress and pressure on. You know, the finance companies, the mortgage company, and you know, the title company. I mean, so many stakeholders involved in this were feeling the pressure of us wanting to get this moved up and it was at the end of the month. And so you had this perfect storm of, uh, of moving parts and spinning plates. And we kept inching closer to the to the verbally agreed upon new closing date. And we kept moving forward and closer to that and closer to that. And then all of a sudden, my worries shot through the roof wondering, oh my gosh, what do we do if for whatever reason we can't you know, reschedule our, our movers because we missed the closing date? What does this look like in terms of um, you know, future mortgage payments on you know, our old property relative to the new one? I mean, the, it, it became, uh, it, it became uh, in retrospect, a really interesting experience because all of that worry was self-imposed. There was no real threat, certainly not a physical threat, but there was no real threat. Had that closing date come and gone and we wouldn't have ended up moving in when we moved in, by the way, we moved in on time, but had that not happened, it's like, what was really the point of the worry? Right. And it makes sense. I mean, we we ultimately worry about parts of our lives that are important to us. And this just happened to be pretty important to us. And but the reality is, in upon reflection, that was a self, that was self-imposed. It wasn't um it, it really it was real worry, it was real emotion that I was feeling in the moment, but it wasn't objectively real. I mean, the situation. So that was the first one. Uh, not overly stressful in the grand scheme of our lives. The second is uh, as a parent. For those of you who aren't parents, but who plan to be parents, when it comes to worrying about your kids, it's surprising. I'm continually surprised at how much I worry about our kids, worrying about uh, are they safe during the day when I'm at work and they're at school are they you know emotionally safe and stable with their friends at school or at basketball practice or something how are they doing uh, you know emotionally whenever they're you know hanging out up in their rooms and they're on their phones with friends or you know are they de- are they dealing with bullying behavior or are they dealing with different stresses that they don't feel comfortable verbalizing given their age and it's just it's it's constant and it's surprising. And there's no guidebook to parenting and no one, no one teaches you these things. No one really talks about these things. These are things that you discover on your own as a parent and they're surprising. And whenever you encounter them, you're just like, oh oh my goodness, you know, what do I do? I mean, that for people who worry but not in excess, you're trying to find solutions to these issues that they invariably work themselves out. So much like the closing date on the new house, upon reflection, the worry was self-imposed. It wasn't a real threat. It's an imagined threat. And it doesn't make the feeling any less real, but objectively, it wasn't real. And then lastly, unfortunately, whenever I was 13, my father passed away uh, from pancreatic cancer. He was 39 years old. And when I learned he was sick, when I learned he was terminally ill, and as, um, as that illness progressed, I became more and more worried as to what my role was going to be going forward. Now, one thing I did get is that at 13, I knew I wasn't gonna be, you know, provide financial support. I wasn't gonna be the, the, the family breadwinner, but my mind went to worrying about am, am I now responsible for the health and safety of my family? I mean the physical health and safety of my family. And how does that work when you're a 13-year-old boy? Um, I worried about my mom and her how, how she was processing all of this emotionally. Because my mom basically subjugated her own um, her, her own self-care. In place of making sure that me and my sisters were were taken care of emotionally, and that led to worry, just wanting to make sure that she was okay. In addition, of course, to making sure that you know I was okay emotionally. Like, how does this work? And recently, this was actually sort of uh, triggered in me again when one of my daughter's friends, um, her father, got sick and passed away, and. her, her, my daughter's friend is, was the same age as I was whenever my dad died. And it, it was, it was an interesting experience in the sense that it triggered the worry I had whenever I was 13, which ties back to what I had talked to to you about earlier about how the brain works. That was a memory of something that I experienced years and years ago. And yet the brain released the chemical neurotransmitter cocktail and i experienced the same degree of worry that i did whenever i was 13 in addition to just being heartbroken for my daughter's friend and her family so to, to start wrapping this up worry in and of itself isn't necessarily negative negative. and as i mentioned earlier it keeps us sharp it keeps us focused it keeps us vigilant um, what we need to be able to do, though, is take a step back and determine its validity. Is it something that is an immediate physical threat? If it is, clearly our, our response to the worry um, is extraordinarily uh, important because it, it, it requires immediate action. Um, upon reflection, though, if for whatever reason we determine that it might be self-imposed worry or worry that um, once we get past the situation that it really wasn't you know, well-founded, then we need to take stock in the moment, become more self-aware and pursue alternative courses of action. And we, we need What we need to do is we need to shift our practice to those types of scenarios that I mentioned earlier, like mindful meditation, talking with others, journaling, engaging in physical activity. Another thing we can do, and all of us can do more of this, um, just in general, is to practice gratitude, where even in the moments of worry, trying to take a step, step back and acknowledging what are those things that we are ultimately grateful for. Are we grateful for our family, for our livelihoods, for our jobs, for the people that we let in and out of our lives, to be grateful. Um, uh, for those, uh, for those things that are the most fundamental foundational and important in our lives, um, what are, what are those things, um, understand that worry is a normal part of our life and it's, it, it's not going away. We're we're because we worry about those things that are important to us. Worry is inevitable. How we respond to it is extraordinarily important. So self care is key. You, we can be proactive with this as well, but what we need to what we need to acknowledge is that since it's an inevitable part of the human condition, we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. We need to remember that where we put our our focus, we put our energy, and if we put our focus on worry, our energy is going to follow, and we're going to be mired in the worry. Right, it becomes. It becomes this you know, potentially negative feedback loop, and while it's understandable that the cycle um, that cycle can happen, we can change that. We can change it by pro, with through proactive self care. We can change that with, with during the moment self awareness um, and improved discipline, deliberate practice through the, some of the solutions that I had mentioned earlier. Right, and there are no quick fix solutions. Uh, But what we need to do is we need to find solutions that are workable for our lives, because some of you may get into something like journaling and it's just not a thing for you. And that's totally okay. I know I don't personally prefer journaling, even though I see the value of it. So finding uh, workable solutions that you're able to fit into your life um, that are uh, that actually allow you to move forward, that allows you to progress this forward and not stay mired uh, in, in, in the worry. Because to be a successful worrier it, it is a legitimate achievement, right? Because it's a practice, it's learned. And because it's a practice and because it's learned, it can actually be unlearned. We can fix it. I mean, how do we get rid of a worry thought? Replace it with something else anything else. And that is absolutely easier said than done. But what we do know is there's what happens and there's what happens next. We get to choose what happens next. And, but we also need to understand what are those things that trigger the worry? What are those things that we can learn about ourselves that serve as a root cause that we can go in and speak with professionals about that we can work on Um, with ourselves so we can seek to improve them and or eventually overcome them so it doesn't become this neurochemical addiction that every single time we experience uh, situation x or situation y that we respond uh, the exact same way so one final question for you just to give some thought to to what extent is worrying helpful to your life if it's unhelpful strongly consider adopting or engaging in practices that can provide new and different perspectives. Uh, if it's helpful, if you're, uh, you're sort of the garden variety warrior and it keeps you sharp and vigilant, outstanding. Um, if in excess, please reach out to a professional uh, to get some uh, assistance. So food for thought, fellow questers. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, consider writing a review. You can get in touch with the show at thequestforlife.com. I'd certainly love to hear from you. And as usual, thank you for joining the conversation.